so good to worship the Lord with you today. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills, and we are in our second week of our Multiply series. Uh, but before we start that, I wanted to point out that in your bulletin, we've got the brand new Bible reading plan for our upcoming Exodus series. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, we're going to be talking about how the uh, people of God were wandering in the desert, in fact, sometimes wandering away from wisdom, and to see what we can learn from them. I'm just really excited about this series, and uh, it's going to be a great one. I really encourage you to uh, read the Bible reading plan on your own at home, because it's great to come together here and to study God's Word, but it's so much greater when you're reading God's Word day in and day out, letting that Word saturate your life, draw you closer and closer to the Lord, uh, so that you can grow in, in your relationship with Jesus Christ. In this series where we're talking about multiplying, we're talking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Simply put, a disciple is a follower of Jesus, a person who seeks in their life to live as Jesus lived. Now that's a pretty easy thing to say and an incredibly difficult thing to do, right? Because after all, Jesus was sinless, so that's a challenge right there. And it's real easy for us to look at this and say, oh, that's, that's too much, right? That, that the enemy would love for us to believe this lie, this lie that says that following Jesus is hard, so you shouldn't really try. You shouldn't really give yourself to it. You would ought to just accept that, that you're not really going to be able to do it effectively, that you're going to repeat a bunch of the same sins on and on throughout your life, that you're not going to be able to find much hope, joy, or meaning, and that's just the way it is. That's a lie. It's a terrible lie. Last week was the week of Pentecost, right? Where we celebrated the fact that God came down in power in the midst of the believers, that God's power came upon them, filled them, they poured out into the street, they went from a group of timid folks to folks who were proclaiming the good news of Jesus, and over 3,000 people became saved in one day, right? This is the power of God. The power of God, that same power is inside of you and me today, is using us, is filling us, is changing the world even through us. I believe that God wants to do this in our lives, to help us be in a lifelong, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It begins with a belief in Jesus, but it's not just a belief, it's an ongoing way of living, a way of living. And it's done not by our own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ralph Waldo Emerson famously said that life is a journey, not a destination, right? And our faith is a journey, although it has a destination as well, but it is a journey, an ongoing journey that we're on, but not a journey that we take on our own strength or our own power. No, it's a journey that is possible, that is done in the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. You know, when we look at the journey of of life, because we're all on this this chronological journey here through life, there's a number of different ways that we're we're traveling through. We're traveling through this journey, and there's a number of different ways that we travel at different stages. We've got a few things up here to kind of illustrate that this morning. These various stages that we go through in life, right? And we're kind of looking like with mobility up here, right? And we start off pretty simple. As we begin to walk, they, maybe they give us a kind of a walker of sorts, right? 
I've got one that's a shopping cart here. It's a really clever idea because they disguise a walker as a shopping cart, right? And I remember I'm four years older than my sister. My little sister, she had one of these. She would put like every valuable belonging she could find into this. Occasionally the, uh, the, uh, occasionally the hamsters got a ride in this as well. <laughs> they uh, were happy to get back to their cage, if I remember right. And every now and then she'd have even weaponized this thing against her older brother, you know, who never deserved it, clearly. But these are good because as the little ones walk, right, the little ones who are learning to walk and they're kind of, they're not real easy, not real good on their feet yet, and they're kind of side to side a little, this gives them some balance, some stability, so they're less likely to break their falls with like the side of the counter or something like this, right? Instead, we've got this to kind of help us out. So it's good and it's valuable and it's fun, but not for long, right? I mean, you get bored with that stuff pretty easy. You get a little bit older, you get pretty good at walking, and you gotta move on to something that moves a little faster, is more exciting. Nothing better than your first bicycle, right? But remember, you remember the day the training wheels came off? I do. Boy, it was, a, it was a shaky ride there, wasn't it? Well, I remember because my gra- I was with my grandfather at the campground. I was four years old, and he told me, he just informed me, that I was going to ride without training wheels that day. And I didn't think I could, and he didn't, wasn't really a conversation. I just remember him taking the bike, and I watched him take the wheels off, and my heart was going really fast. Now, this might be the day that I die here, right? But sure enough... He, he ran along with me, holding on to the seat and the handlebars, and I still remember that moment he let go, and I was off and riding. He was exactly right. I didn't crash that day. I took lots of crashes later on, don't get me wrong. But there's something about that, right? Just that joy, that freedom. Now, this little bike here is interesting. You can't see it, but this bike is literally a BMW bike. Wow! (laughs) Some little guy's getting to know the complexity of German engineering right from the beginning here, right? Man. But anyway, it's a lot of fun. And you can, when you get, when you move to this stage and the training wheels come off, you feel like you've got all the freedom in the world. You can zip around the neighborhood and all that, and it's a lot of fun. And it's a real good thing until, well, eventually you outgrow that little bike, right? And maybe you move into a bigger bike, or maybe in the teenage years or junior high years, you move to something like this skateboard here, right? Now, this is a pretty interesting skateboard. It has donuts on it. <laughs> Who doesn't like a donut skateboard? What's, what's not to like about that? But there's so much freedom. Did anybody used to ride one of these? Any of you? Yeah, a few of you used to. You can go all over the place on these, right? Remember those days when... When mom and dad, they'd kick you out of the house after breakfast, and you wouldn't be allowed to come back till like, the streetlights came on, right? It's a great world to live in, you know? Now they get really mad at you as parents if you do that stuff. But, but you know, you could go all over town on this. You could get over to the baseball diamond and do the daily World Series with your friends, right? You could ride over to the gas station. You could get, a, get a, something to drink or get a snack. You could go over to... Well, whichever friend's house had the best lunch of the day, right? You could go there and you could eat. You could, wherever you wanted to go, you could get around on this. So much fun, so much joy in all of this. 
But eventually, you move on from this, and you move on to, well, the big one. Anybody remember their first car? Yeah, I do. It was not beautiful. <laughs> it was a 1989 Chevy Celebrity Station Wagon. I met somebody in the 830 service. That was their first car as well. So pretty, you know, this thing was, uh, you know, it's a true babe magnet right there, as you can tell. <laughs> Zero to 60 in like 6.8 minutes or so. <laughs> but it was the car that I had. I bet some of you had some good first cars. Anybody, shout it out. What was your first car? Anybody? I heard some fun ones. A 55 Ford. I heard a Camaro. <laughs> I'm hearing some Mustang. We had some cool cars. Kind of put my old car to shame there. Yeah. Whatever it was. Whatever it was. We all remember our first car, don't we? Because don't you remember that moment when you pulled out of the driveway no mom and dad in the car, it's just you. What freedom, what opportunity. You can go wherever you want to go, right? Because you got wheels, you got a car, and now the world has like expanded so much. And really cars in and of themselves are a journey. Maybe you, you start off with that first car and it's kind of old, kind of basic, breaks down a lot. You get a job and you get a little bit of money, right? And you take like virtually all your hard-earned money and you put it into this new car, this different car that you're excited about. And it's a cool car, right? It's fun and it more displays who you want to be seen as than maybe what that first car did. And so you love that thing and you drive it around for a while. Maybe you, you get married, you, you have some kids, right? And then you make that, that kind of journey you said you'd never make. You drive to the dealership in that beloved car. You trade it in on a minivan. <laughs> you swore you'd never do that, right? And you, you shed a little tear, but they go away pretty quick because now life revolves around those kids. And that, that's what matters more than anything else in the world. And boy, if it's convenient to get them in and out and all their stuff, well, it's worth it. It's worth it. And so you go from the minivan, then to where we're at as the kids get bigger, right? You go to the SUV stage, right? And that's a great one, right? It only costs like 150 bucks to fill up your gas tank. It's awesome. And then maybe the kids graduate and they move on and you get back into something cool or fun. Or maybe you have grandkids, you get a crossover for practicality or whatever it is. Cars can be a big part of that, that journey, right? That journey through the various stages of life. And our cars kind of reflect where we are sometimes at that point. Life journeys on and, well, sometimes eventually we get a set of wheels that we don't look forward to quite as much, right? And you know, the thing that's interesting, though, is that we live in a society that, that gets, gets a lot of things right, but we get some things wrong also. And one of the things that we get wrong in my opinion, is that we tend to idolize youth and devalue the maturity that comes through time. There's something to be said for, for getting to spend some time on this earth and getting to make your own set of decisions and great ones and sometimes bad ones that, that progress us through life. There's something to be said for those lessons that we learn the maturity that is gained as we live. 
And I think it's a real tragedy that, that today sometimes we look at, at growing older as, as a sad thing. I don't believe that it is. And I know I'm 42, so I don't get it yet, I understand. But the reality is there's value there's value in, in all generations of life. I think it's a real tragedy when younger generations look at, look at seniors and, and discredit them, or look at boomers, right, say, okay, boomer, right, devalue everything about a generation. How foolish, how foolish. Of course, sometimes we can do it the other way too. We can look at young people and we can say, oh, youth is wasted on the young, right? We say these kind of things, forgetting that we were once younger ourselves, and we didn't necessarily have the same maturity that we have in our more advanced years. If you had the same maturity in your younger years you have in your advanced years, that's a bad sign, by the way. (laughs) There should be some growth. There should be some progress in that time. We should look at things differently and see things differently. We should we should value that. It's, it's a meaningful and a, an important thing. This, this journey that we're on of life is, I really believe it's a gift of God, that, that God gives us the ability through the various, various stages of life to grow, to learn, to become more and more mature in, in who we are and in our faith. And what I wanna share with you today from the book of 1 John. 1 John, of course, is written by John the Disciple. He was one who in his early days was known as one of the sons of thunder, right? He was somebody, probably with a bit of a temper, probably shot off his mouth a few times. And as time went on, John grew in maturity. Scholars believe that by the time John wrote this book, he was probably around 80 years old. He had seen a lot. He had walked with Jesus. He was there for the miracles. He was there for the Last Supper. He was even there at the crucifixion, standing by Mary. He ran to the empty tomb of Peter. He was there on the day of Pentecost when the tongues of fire descended upon them and the Holy Spirit filled them. He was there as the the church grew and grew and grew, and they went from Jerusalem through Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth proclaiming the good news. He was there for the persecution the hard times. He saw the church fighting by the power of God to continually communicate this good news of Jesus Christ who was alive and changing lives. So now John is writing in this book. It's a great book we studied a few months ago, but I want to jump back to to, uh, chapter 2. In this, throughout the book, he really focuses on love. As interesting as an older guy, this is where he gets to, that back to the foundational things, that God is love, and the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And John talks about these people that are differ- at differing stages of spiritual maturity. He says this in John 2.12, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of Jesus' name. So the first group he refers to them as children, right? These are people who are spiritual children. They're, they're new to the faith, right? We're kind of at walker or maybe, maybe training wheel bike stage here. And at that stage, we have what John highlights there. We, we have our sins have been forgiven. 
That's where we come into a relationship with Jesus. When we take that incredibly huge step of saying, I'm a sinner. I mess a lot of stuff up. And I'm just going to own it. I can't save myself. I can't solve my sin problem. My sins have separated me from God, and that matters because I need a relationship with God. So that can only come through a relationship, through, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that I trust in Jesus' sacrifice to, to pay the price for my sins. And that's where we begin. That's where we begin as children in the faith, thankful for that forgiveness and living into that. And, and, uh, and it's a good thing. He continues then, and he kind of skips a generation here. He says, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. In other words, you know this God more than just for the forgiveness of sins. Yes, that's very relevant. That's a big part of it. But it's not just that. It's not just that God has forgiven us. It's, this is the same God who's from the beginning. This is the creator of the universe. This is the one we want to get to know this God in, in all the, the, the height and depth and width of, of the brevity of who God is. I want to understand him. I don't want to just live in the forgiveness zone. That's good, but I want to get to know God more and more and more. Fathers, spiritual fathers who are living into the fullness of who God is. He continues, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Maybe dealing with temptation, as we do in all our life, but especially those earlier years. You, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are an overcomer. That You know that you're forgiven, and now you are overcoming sin by the power of God. You've overcome the evil one. And he goes back again. I write you, dear children, because you know the Father. Like little kids, you know what Dad's voice sounds like. You have a relationship here. You want to walk with the Father. You want to get to know the Father. You need the Father to help you to move from stage to stage to stage early in faith. I write to you, fathers, there again, because you know him who is from the beginning, because you have this knowledge of this God. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. So now through this spiritual battle that you have built some spiritual muscles and you are part of this spiritual fight, if you will, fight against evil, fight for love, fight for justice, fight for all this. God is using you, young men, in this. And of course, this is one of those uh, translations that uses the word men, but we're really talking about people in general. It's not just males. John talks about stages of spiritual maturity and I like how the terms he uses. He uses relational terms. Children, young people, uh, parents, like, like a family here. He doesn't say like uh, novice, intermediate, and advanced. Because the reality is at every stage, every age of life, we've got some advancing to do, don't we? We've got some learning. We've got some growing to do. You never get done growing. You keep on progressing, but you never get done growing. Spiritual maturity is a lot like wisdom. There are things that you can only learn with experience and time. You can read the book, you can go to the seminars, you can get the degree, and that's good. You need to do that, perhaps. But there's things that you get through the school hard knocks. 
There's things that you get through time. There's things that you get through struggle. And in our, in our faith, there's ways that we grow by walking with the Lord day after day after day, season after season after season. That when you find how the Lord has been faithful to you in all these different circumstances, it gives you an incredible amount of faith to face the future. Because if God was faithful to you yesterday and the day before and and last year and last decade, imagine how God will continue to be faithful. He didn't get you this far just to leave you, to dump you off. No, he's faithful in an ongoing basis. This This is who our God is. But the thing is, you don't automatically grow in your faith because time passes. Just believing in God for a certain period of time does not automatically equate spiritual growth. And so you've got to, we've got to progress through these stages by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to just remain spiritually immature year after year after year. After all, acting like a 12-year-old is great when you're 12 years old. When you turn 34, it's not so cool anymore to act like a 12-year-old. And spiritually, it's the same way. It's fine to be in those early stages, but if we're not growing, actively growing, actively investing in our growth through the power of the Holy Spirit, things aren't going to change. You know, one of the greatest tragedies that I see as a pastor is sometimes folks will become Christians and and they settle right there. They settle for forgiveness for that children stage that John refers to. Because all they're looking for is some type of like eternal fire insurance. And they think, well, if I say the magic words then have this certain belief that I'm good, like, okay, well, that's a great start. But following Jesus, it's a relationship. It's an ongoing, growing relationship. I've said before, I'll say again, do, do you, if you've been a follower of Jesus for, for 20 years, are you a 20-year-old Christian who's growing throughout these years, or are, a one, are you a one-year-old Christian 20 times over? Spiritual maturity is not an automatic thing just because time advances. It's sometimes, if you're stuck in that place, it's almost like you just keep hitting that spiritual snooze button time and time again. The voice of God speaks, you hit snooze. Invitation to be a part of a small group, nope, not now. Do a Bible study, don't got time for it. Pray, other pastors can do that stuff, right? And we hit snooze over and over and over. We got to wake up. We got to wake up. If we want to grow in faith, just sitting and waiting for it to happen, it's not really a great formula. God wants to use these things by the power of the Holy Spirit to help us grow. After all, if a toddler doesn't learn to walk, it's highly unlikely they're going to learn to ride a bike just because they get to age four, right? It's not just going to happen because they got a fourth birthday. Or if a 16-year-old decides not to get their license and they don't drive anything for the next two years and they turn 18, they still can't drive. They still don't have any ability to drive. You've got to go to driver's ed. You've got to do behind the wheel. You've got, to, you've got to start driving with people who know what they're doing. You've got to 
get cut off in traffic like 50 times, and then you're just getting started, right? This is how it works. You don't become a good driver just because you hit a birthday. And the same is true in our spiritual life. Just passing time does not equate spiritual growth. If you've been around this church for a while, you've heard our language that describes various levels of spiritual maturity. The first is exploring Christ. And this means that you haven't made a decision yet for faith, but you're checking it out. You're exploring it. You're kicking the tires of faith, if you will. And maybe that's you today, and you're, you're here and you're wondering, is this stuff true? Is this Jesus guy, is he real? Did he, is he really who he says that he is? And if that's you, I am just so thankful that you're here. I'm so thankful that you're, you're willing to come here and, and to explore this with us. And I can tell you that the, the leaders and the staff and I, we care so much about your spiritual development, and we want to help you however we can. We do. We want to provide a lot of great opportunities for you to be able to, what we would say from Scripture, taste and see that the Lord is good, to be able to experience God and to, to grow in that, that, that explore, through that exploring Christ stage. The next stage is the growing in Christ stage, right? It's the, there again, it's the uh, walker or the, the training wheels bike stage. And at this stage, uh, you've given it, you put your faith in Jesus and, and you're, you're beginning to grow, right? Like that little child, everything is new and exciting and awesome. And it's a great stage. It's a stage that is to be celebrated. And you may feel like, oh, I don't know anything about the Bible, so I shouldn't say anything. Or I don't really know how to pray, so I sure can't do that. Just try, just start. Because every single mature person around, guess what? They did that at one point too. And we all remember what it was like. And it gives us joy to get to walk with folks who are in those early stages of faith. It reminds us maybe even of a joy that we had that sometimes we lose from time to time. We need you. We need you. You help us grow too. Maybe for you, you're in that next stage, which is the close to Christ stage. And this is where in this relationship that you have connected with Jesus Christ in such a powerful way. You feel the power of the Holy Spirit working in you, and you love the Lord so much, and you just, you want to grow. You want to know Him more. And it's, I love being around young adults, right? Uh, and because if you think of, like, say, a career, young adults are newer to a career. They haven't bought into the stuff that everybody said, well, you can't do it that way and that way and that way. And that way. Nope, there's no limits. We're going to try it. We're going to do it. And that's why so many wonderful inventions are made by younger adults, because they don't know what rules they can't break yet, right? And why so many things are led and done and whatnot, because there's so much energy and joy and passion. Same's true in this this, uh, close to Christ stage, that you've got this energy and joy and passion in your faith. Grow in it. Act on it. Don't let anybody look down on you because you are young in the faith, but set an example for the believers in faith, in love, in purity. That's what God's word says. It's what we're called to do. And then finally, that Christ-centered state where Jesus is the center of life, where every thought that we think, every decision that we make, every investment of time, energy, money, all these things, we run it through this filter of our faith. What would God think about this? Is this helping me to be growing more and more like Jesus Christ? Is this helping me to make disciples of the world? If so, I'm in. If not, I got other stuff I want to do. 
I want to focus on that which brings fruit for the kingdom because that matters so much. These stages. And every stage matters. I remember I was in seminary. I got to encounter somebody who was in that very close to Christ state at a very big level. I was, um, I was a hospice chaplain, and, and I got, so we'd go in, and they would give us these, uh, our charts, and I remember one day getting the charts for the week, and I saw a name that I knew uh, because his name was on one of the buildings at the seminary. He and his family are extremely influential. He's a professor who had written many books, who had influenced the Christian movement of his generation. Just an incredible person. And when I saw his name, honestly, my heart kind of sunk. I thought, what do I have to offer him? I'm 25 years old here, 24 years old here. I don't have, I don't have anything to offer. And I went by his bedside, and we sat and we talked. And it was amazing how even as his physical body was failing, his spirit was so strong. You could just sense the, the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through this guy who had lived decade after decade after decade faithful to Jesus. It's such a tragedy when we look at older folks and think they don't have anything to offer. How stupid. It's such a tragedy when we get to the later years of life and maybe we look at ourselves and assume that we don't have anything to offer. That's just not true. It's not true at all. As a pastor, I get to see countless examples of how that's not true. I remember at my first church, there was a guy named Don. Don was low 90s. He was coming towards the end of his life. And, and Don wasn't able to do many of the things that he used to be able to do. And so he felt the Lord calling him to two things. First of all, to prayer. And he was one of the most faithful people at praying for me and for our church and for others. It meant so much to me. And second, he took on a ministry of writing cards Don would buy all these goofy cards in large quantities, and he would write encouraging notes to us, and he'd mail them out. I can't tell you how many times in my ministry there I was having a tough day or something, and sure enough, a card from Don would show up in my mailbox. It was like the Holy Spirit knew that I needed a word of encouragement. And there was Don listening and encouraging. You're never done. As long as you have life, and breath, God's never done with you. You can retire from a job, that's fine, but we don't retire from the faith. We don't retire from, from being useful to the Lord and from growing in our faith. Every stage matters. Never forget that. And never assume that you don't matter because you can't do certain things you used to do. There's something about growing in faith. You know, this past week on Tuesday, had the honor of um, celebrating the life of Roger Saltz, one of the many saints of this church, one of the people who was here for decade after decade, who grew in his faith at this place 
and who God used him to help the rest of us grow in our faith. You know, it may sound weird, but doing funerals is one of my favorite things. Not that I like it when people die, of course, but there's something humbling about being able to to celebrate a life well lived. Being able to to just remember a few of the countless ways that God worked through the ongoing maturity of a person's faith. How God was with them in their spiritual early stages when they were spiritually stumbling around and and how God helped grow them and, and their family. And just to hear these stories of how God has moved through them and through their lives. Whichever of these seats you find yourselves in spiritually, know that God is using you. God loves you. God cares about you, and you matter so much to God. I want, as I close this morning, I want to do something. It's a little bit arbitrary in my numbers. You have to forgive that, but if I want to give two criteria. First, if you are... Um, if you're 60 years old or older, um, again, pick that arbitrarily. And second, if you've been a follower of Jesus for, for 20 years or more in your life, would you just stand now and remain standing? I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord. I am glad for my kids and my family that we get to be around you. People who have followed Jesus for, for decades and who continue to faithfully follow him. And I want you to know how much we need you, how important you are, and how your stage in spiritual maturity matters so much to me, to God, and to our church. I want to pray. If you're around one of these folks, would you just extend a hand towards them as we pray? Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for these folks who have loved you for decades, who are growing through the various stages here, God. Thank you for the ways that they show us what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would empower them by, their holy, by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would strengthen them, God. I pray for the one who is tired, who is bought into the lie that they don't have any purpose here anymore. Lord, I just pray against that lie in Jesus' name. I pray that you would fill them by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would give them divine assignments. I pray that you would give them divine opportunities to serve you, whether that's to pray, whether that's to encourage, whatever it is, Lord, would you just speak? Would you just minister to them? I pray for those who are watching online at home, Lord, maybe who can't be with us, maybe who can't make it out anymore, God. I just pray that they would know that you are not finished with them yet. Know, God, that you are working and that you are moving in in power. If the only thing we can do is pray, that's an amazing thing. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, may we be a church that generation after generation after generation raises up faithful followers of you. May we be a church who models you in our faith in you and our love for one another. For God, we do love you. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.